we want to do somewhat of a series of videos that really thoroughly talk about Passover. And, and hopefully our, our goal for this is to explain to you um, that, that the teachings of this group about Passover are not true. And you can be free from them. You can, when you, when you really examine the evidence and you examine their key arguments that, that they think prove the Passover, we're going to show you that they do not actually do that. And, and we're also in future videos, hopefully in this, uh, again, what's going to sort of be a series, we'll talk about Ong Song Hong. And we're going to look at the most convincing evidences that the, the World Mission Society has to supposedly prove that he is Christ. So to help us do that, we have uh, Kelsey on again. And the reason for that is because she knows a lot more about this stuff than we do. And, and she understands this group a lot more than we do because she was a part of it. She was a leader in it. Um, and how, how many years, Kelsey, were you in this group? Uh, 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So you were in there for a decade. Um, and so, you know, you know, the ins and outs of this group, you get how they work, you get how they think. Um, and so, yeah, so we have Kelsey to kind of help walk through what we're going to do in this video. We're going to walk through what she thinks are some of the most um, key and, and what, what would you call these, these points that we're going to talk about? Like they're, they're like the, what would you the thesis for why they justify Passover is necessary to receive eternal life? Yeah, and so in, the, in this video, we've kind of we're going to narrow it down to what are you you think are kind of three of maybe the the primary main arguments for that? Yeah. So um, yes, we have Jesse today. Jesse's been sick, and so I'm so glad he's here. But yes, he's thank you. He's got a little red in his eye, and so some of you have accused us of having coronavirus, which maybe I, I don't know. I maybe he does. Have it. If so, we will die. We will die together. <laughs> fighting this group and so <laughs> is that appropriate I don't probably know. not we're gonna leave it in but <laughs> okay so with that said let's just let's just jump into it um uh and so we're gonna you know ultimately obviously i think we're gonna get to john six and that's that's yeah. a key place that we want to get to and so at some point we'll, we'll get into that but i just want to kind of hand it to you for right now and let you kind of start maybe explain what the first the first argument is that we're going to cover that the World Mission Society uses to prove Passover. So, so like you said, John chapter 6, verse 53 through 54. Um, do you guys want me to like read it? Yeah, sure. let's, yeah. let's go for it. I think we're all there. Okay. So. so let me get there. Because this is this is like basic. This is like the the number one verse they use to to justify that Passover is the only way to receive eternal life. Because in John chapter six, verse fifty three, it says, "Jesus said to them, on oh, this is the NIV version. Okay. Uh, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day." So, like, how they use this to, is they say, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, right? Unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you have no life. So, obviously, it's not talking about physical life, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I can live my entire, like, physical life, like, yeah. without ever keeping the Passover and, you know, that's, you know, that's that. But, um, 
but like it's talking about spiritual life, right? So if we want to receive spiritual life, we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And then it says in verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, right? So here he says like directly, like eat my flesh, drink my blood, and you can have eternal life. So they say this is not like, this is not, uh, I don't know the right word for it, like figurative. Um, because he says, eat his flesh and drink his blood, right? So so by figurative, like symbolic, you mean? Symbolic, like, you know, it doesn't just mean just, you know, believe in Jesus, yeah. and, you know, that's, that's okay. fulfilled by eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Okay, so real quick, can we do something that I think dispels that and gets yeah. rid of that? Um, the, are you going to yeah, jump? Go ahead, and, go ahead. Yeah, talk, yeah. go ahead. Well, just, he's talking about John 6, um, 35. So before that, uh, mm -hmm. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, that's Jesus good. literally, before he says this, he literally, right before that, he right. clarifies, come to me, you won't be hungry. Believe in me, you won't be thirsty. And then um, if I can, verse 62, he then says, I'm speaking spiritually. Yes, exactly. So Jesus made it real clear before and after this verse that they use, he made it very clear. I'm speaking spiritually and there's more meaning to this than obviously the basic, uh, what the crowd took actually when the crowd left. Cause they're like, this guy's crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's so that's interesting. Cause you, you say that they, they will teach that this, these words of Jesus, when he says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, that that's not symbolic or it's not just spiritual language is what you're saying. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. So like what Jesse just brought up is you jump to the end of the chapter 63, where Jesus basically is, is he's going to explain to us whether that's true or not. And what he says, he says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So he's actually saying like these words I'm saying, this is beyond just something physical. Like you, these guys were so wrapped up. That's the whole point of this chapter is their, their minds were so focused yeah. on the physical bread that he was giving them. And he's trying right. to communicate to them here. He's saying, listen, guys, this is, this is not about the physical bread. This is a spiritual yeah. truth I'm teaching you. And so actually in direct contradiction to that idea that this isn't, spiritual or symbolic jesus actually says yes it, it, it is like this is spiritual language i'm speaking i don't mean literally that that there's literal bread and literal yeah. wine he, and so he goes on you know he explains before he even gets to this statement um and th this i think is important because we you know you brought up that Jesus, he does say, this is what is, this is their core thing that Jesus says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yes. And so we need to interpret what does he mean by that? And so, so what the world mission society does is they'll jump to, they jump somewhere else, right? In the Bible to explain. Yeah, well, it's funny because like there's several verses in John six that uh, we pull, like, like we read for, for multiple studies. Um, but like we skip through a lot of verses and 35 is one right. of those verses that 35 through, 30, um, 35 through 38 is ones that we skip. Mm -hmm. So like wow. 35 is pretty darn clear. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes, it I is. think that's going to be pretty impactful because it, it, like you said, it literally says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he yeah. who believes in me will never be thirsty. So it's all about I mean, come to me and believe in me. Yeah. It's literally yeah. his point. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. so yeah. So that's like, here, here's the thing with that. Here's why that's, significant i think is because again there is there is something deep and profound about these words that you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood and we need to know what he means by that 
the World Mission Society, what they do though, is they do not stay in the chapter. Like if we wanna know what Jesus is talking about here, what does he mean when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood? First, we should look within the context of when he said that to see, does he explain it? Does he, in in this same setting, he probably explained what he meant by that. We probably don't need to wait till, you know, a description of- Three. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so what we do is actually, if we just look at the rest of the chapter, rather than selecting verses here and there, you see that Jesus, before he even says these words, he actually explains what he means. What does it mean to eat his flesh? What does it mean to drink his blood? And he tells us here in verse 35, he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. So how do we eat? How do we eat Jesus? Well, we, we come, right? Yeah. How do we drink Jesus? We believe. We believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So one more thing here before we move on is there's there's another verse that is super important that I, I bet I'm going to ask you if this is one they skip over too. Um, so jump back to 27 of John oh, 6. Oh, they don't skip that one. But they yeah. don't. Okay. So he they says. They that one for, uh, for a seal of God, which I think we'll talk about. We'll talk about that. Later. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So. So 27, he says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you for on him, God, the father has set us. Oh yeah, that's right. As I've been studying, they use that. But then here's the significant thing, okay? So then they said to him, this, this is the entire point of this video right here summed up. They said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So what are, what are they asking here? Yeah. Like, what's the question? Like what, when you see that, what do you yeah. think they're like, what are they trying to get from Jesus? what are the works of God? Just give us a simple, like, what does it mean to, yeah, to be approved? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. What does it mean to be saved? Yeah. Right. How, yeah. what they're asking, what must we do to be in the will of God? Yeah. It's very interesting here what Jesus says. So Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So the one thing Jesus says is the work of God. These people are asking him, what do we need to do? If Jesus commanded Passover for salvation. Isn't this like the perfect opportunity yeah, to, say to say that? Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't. Right. What he says is he gives the same answer that he then gives in verse 35. He says, this is the work, believe. Yeah. Well, why is that the work? Because by believing, we're eating him. It, it is a spiritual thing. So yeah. So go ahead. And, and I think it's the seal, right? The seal of God study that we're going to jump into at this point. Is that right? Was that the first one? Well, so so b- before we get to the seal of God, though, I just want to yep. point out like one of the the because they when they show like one verse and the next verse, they have like a transition that they have from one verse to the other. So like after John six fifty three and six fifty four, um, they say like, okay, when did Jesus give us his flesh and blood to eat and drink? And mm-hmm. then that's when they show about the Passover. So I don't know okay. if you want me to go into detail about that or yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's that's important. Okay, so they show they show Matthew chapter twenty six, um, Matthew chapter twenty six, and verse twenty six through twenty eight. They say, um, "Are you there?" Twenty six, twenty six yeah, through twenty eight. Yep. Mm-hmm. They say uh, in twenty six it says, "While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body.'" Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, "Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins." So they say that um, that when did Jesus give us his his flesh for us to eat? 
it was on this night, right, mm. which is the night of the Passover. And then when did he give us uh, his blood for us to drink? It's on this night, the night of the Passover, right? And by eating his flesh and drinking his blood, we receive eternal life. But then it also says in verse 28, this is my co- this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. But we also receive the forgiveness of sins. Yep. Um, so that's why they say, unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood on the night of the Passover, we cannot receive eternal life and we cannot receive the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so do you have thoughts about that? Like, as you've thought about that, if you, as you've studied like that specific way of argumentation, what flaws do you see in that? Um, this, that's the hard part for me. Okay. Yep. <laughs> that's where I need your guys' help. Okay. Good. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can like, so when I see it, Jesus, yeah, he said, you know, take, he said, yeah, I mean, that's the hard part yeah. for me is because the way I tackle it, the, the reason why I know I may not be able to quite fully, I mean, I know that's not what this means, right. but in order for me to explain it for, to somebody, that's where it gets a little tricky because yeah. I understand this is like, even if Passover was required, even if Passover was required, the World Mission Society Church of God does not keep it at the appointed time according to the Bible. And that's what they say. That's what they say is the difference between their Passover and anybody else who celebrates the Passover is the date in the which it's celebrated. Which, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which the Bible says is the 14th day of the first month, which is Nisan. Nisan, yep. Yeah. And then when you see certain years, like I think 2005, um, they celebrate the Passover like a full month before the 14th day of the first month of Nisan. And then um, in 2016, same situation. Um, and so it's like even even if Passover were required, I know the World Mission Society Church of God is not celebrating it on the correct day. Okay. So that like I know that they're not. They're not the true church because of that. Okay. But as to why Passover is not required, that's where I need your guys. Yeah, great. <laughs> cool. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good setup. Um, well, we're, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Jesse, do you have, I mean, immediately, do you have thoughts about that? that no, I, um, so. I think I think the significant thing, um, so he says he took the cup, he gave thanks, he drank it. Um, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So here's, here's, the, here's the issue with this. Here's why we can know Jesus is not talking about you have to literally, if, if you, when you eat physical bread and drink the physical wine, like that in itself is what he's focusing on. And that's the point of um, that that's the, the the key to salvation because Jesus it, th- this goes back to John 6 where people got so hung up on the physical things he was talking about the physical bread the physical the physical drink and and Jesus here this this is symbolic language okay so think about this if you take this literally and you think no Jesus is speaking literal words here he means you literally have to drink the literal bread wine, you literally have to drink the or eat the literal bread. Well, then you have to take everything Jesus says here literally and listen to what he says. He says, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. So if what he's saying is literal, well, then literally that that wine is literal blood. Like he's not, it's not just like wine that you're pretending is, you know, it's like, so I think, you know, that's, it seems like there's issues that arise even even there where we have to know no he's he's not focusing in on this this cup of wine and this bread he's what he's doing is he, he's pointing to what he's about to do um, right so here here's the 
I would say what makes a cult a cult, the distinguishing factor of every cult is what they will do. If you want to know a cult's a cult, here's what you look for. Mm-hmm. What do they do as far as their emphasis on the person of Jesus compared to their emphasis on other things? This is a key example of where you see Jesus, Jesus, the person of Christ, what they do with this passage is they begin to minimize him. They begin to bring him down to this lower position. And what they focus on, what they take away as like the main thing is this, this cup of wine and this physical bread, like Passover, this, this, um, this observance of a, of a, of a event or of a feast that takes greater precedence over the person of Jesus. Does that make sense? Right. And then also like one, another way that I know that Passover isn't what they say it is. Cause they, I mean, every, they're very adamant. They say Passover is like the, the central truth of the Bible. Yes. And that's what all 66 books of the Bible center around the Passover. But if Passover were as important as they say it is, if it was so detrimental to receive eternal life, why didn't Jesus say directly, keep the Passover to receive eternal life? Why yeah. didn't the apostles after Jesus died, you know, say you need to keep the Passover to receive eternal life. No one said that. No if one it said was it. so critical, then why nobody said yes. it? Yes. And further than that, right? Not It's not only that they didn't, they didn't command keeping Passover, but every time Passover, feast, observing days, months, seasons, years, anytime that's mentioned in the New Testament, it's every time it's Paul saying it's not required. It's Paul specifically saying, no, don't, don't put these things on, on anybody. Like don't force these things on people because, um, you know, and this is, this is a, I think, a separate video that I want to make where we're just going to focus in on biblically when it's clearly specifically mentioned what is required for salvation every time it's faith, it's belief. So we can, we'll probably get into this more maybe in the future and explain why this is not, this is not teaching that forgiveness of sins comes by a physical, uh, an observance of Passover. Jesus is pointing to the work he's about to do on the cross. He's pointing to the right. fact, again, it goes back to John 6, that this is symbolic. The, the right. disciples were not literally drinking Jesus's blood. They were not literally eating Jesus's flesh. And so if you want to follow the World Mission Society Church of God argumentation, that that's what's happening, then you have to go to that point. You have to say, okay, then the disciples were physically, yeah. they were eating Jesus's flesh, literally. Because if you want to take it literally, you, you can't you can't p- pick and choose what's literal here. That's why we know Jesus is speaking symbolically. And he's saying again, like this is a symbol when we drink his blood. That's a symbolic way of us saying that what we need to do is come to Jesus. When, right. we, eat, when we eat his, when we eat the bread, we're remembering that we need to believe and, and come to him. Yeah. And so, so I Can think, I, yeah, I point say, out the, well, it's just interesting. I, hopefully this ties in. <laughs> Sorry yeah. if it doesn't. No, go for uh, first Corinthians 11, um, Paul's talking to the church about communion when they're coming together. So I'm just going to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, I'll start in 17. He says in the following directives, uh, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be the uh, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. 
For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. And so right here, verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death hmm. until he comes. So then he goes on getting after them, talking about how some of you are, some of you are sick or, sh you know, the, what, the shame on people who were doing this in an unworthy manner. But he, first off, he says what this is. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Second, when he when Paul quotes Jesus, he says, whenever you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Hmm. So I'll just say I've been on a plane coming back from another country with a brother and uh, they served us wine and we had bread and we had communion on that plane. We, we praise the Lord and we had communion. People do that across the world. As often as they have it, they're, they're declaring the Lord's death and resurrection and what he's doing. And so I don't, it's just kind of interesting to me that Paul's talking about this. And he also just says, when you come together, when you're coming together and you're doing this, some of you are doing it in an unworthy manner. He doesn't say when you're coming together on that one specific day that Jesus told you to do. Mm -hmm. I don't, it just, this seems more clear. We don't read verse 20. <laughs> yeah. We don't read verse 20 and 21 where it says, yeah, like you said, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. So it's not talking, it's not, <laughs> it's talking about when they get together, like you yeah. said. Yeah. So we don't read those verses, so we don't know. We just look at the title above, the subheading above verse 17 that says the Lord's Supper. Yep. And then uh, when they talk about in verse 25, it says, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this yeah. cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it and remember to me. Yeah. The way they dispel this part where it says whenever you drink it is they say like that doesn't mean that they don't provide an explanation, but they just say that doesn't mean that you can drink it whenever because yeah. Passover has an appointed time. <laughs> so, so they so just, yeah. Verse 20 and 20, yeah, exactly. 20. So literally a few verses before yeah. it just, you could, somebody could literally look up at the deacon and say, wait a second. Why does it say whenever they come together? Yeah. Why, yes. why wouldn't Paul be specific and say, when you come together on that exact Passover day we gave yeah. you. No, that's great. And that's, that's again, that's exactly goes back Kelsey to what you're talking about is like, why, if this was so important, like here, here's a, a, again, we, we got the apostle Paul talking to the church, addressing the issue of the Lord's supper of Passover. Why, why doesn't he give, he's giving directions to the church here, right? Of, yeah. of what it should look like, what it should be. No mention of keep it on the 14th day of Nisan or no mention no of no forgiveness of sins. This isn't salvation. Um, and if it was, here's the thing too. If it, within this context, if you see Paul saying the words, you must eat this physical bread, drink this physical wine on these appointed days, or you cannot be saved. And this is what earns your forgiveness of sins. Well, then we might as well just throw out this Bible because yeah. Paul has then contradicted right. himself where over and over. Okay. He you just says, believe. believe. <laughs> yeah. And here's, you know, when we're talking about that, like if you look at Abraham, 
Abraham, it says he believed. And then it says later, he received the circumcision. And this is Romans 4. He received circumcision as a sign of the righteousness that he already had by faith. Okay, so here's a question that I would really challenge you guys to think about. Abraham, all he had to do. Okay, circumcision, right? Baptism, you would say, is the modern day circumcision for us, okay? You say the World Society teaches that you must be baptized in order to subsequently be saved, okay? Think about this. Abraham was first saved, okay? This, this isn't me speaking. Go and look at Romans 4. It clearly lays out Abraham believed first. Secondly, he was circumcised. Why was he circumcised? Was that circumcision a part of him getting saved? No, that circumcision, it says, was a sign of the righteousness that he already had by faith. So in the same way, then, baptism is a sign of the righteousness we already have by faith. So if you would want to argue with that, then again, here's the question I would just encourage you guys to think about. Abraham, all he had to do was believe. That's just clear. There's no debating about that. Okay, so if you want to come and say, well, we have to keep Passover, observe, Sab observe Sabbath, be baptized, preach, all these things, and then we're saved, what you're saying then is Jesus Christ came, he did all this work on the cross, he lived this perfect life, he was beaten, bruised, tortured, and he said, it is finished. He did all that work, and what that accomplished was that it just made us, it made it more difficult for us to be saved. Because Jesus came and basically he made it more difficult for us. He gave us more requirements to do to be saved than even Abraham had. Well, how does that make sense? If all Abraham had to do is believe, then what? why did Jesus just come? We our belief in our time. Yeah, so Jesus came and just made it more difficult to be saved. Yeah. That's a big issue. Well, they teach that the reason why Jesus died on the cross was to put the Passover of the new covenant into effect. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so again, what that is, again, listen, guys, a cult, what you, if you want to know a cult is a cult, that's exactly what you look for. Exactly what you said. What, what just happened there is like Jesus basically is serving Passover. Like Jesus is kind of like, He's not even the main thing. Like he's just kind of a tool yeah. to get Passover established. And Passover, Passover is the deal, right? That's a cult, guys. Uh, there's just there's no there's no simple nice way to say it. That that is what makes a cult a cult. Is what they will do is they'll devalue and de-emphasize de the person of Christ. If you look at Colossians, it talks over and over. It says Jesus, not not the things Jesus did, but the very person of Jesus is supreme. He's preeminent. It says in all things, it says he is all in all, it says we're complete in him. The emphasis put on Jesus by the Bible, it, it, it's clear that Jesus is everything. What cults do is they make something else preeminent. They give something else a higher position than they give Jesus. Yeah. And they also pr promote their leader above Jesus too. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. And I just, just real, just quick, since we just read that in Corinthians, I was just trying to look for something real clear. Just even statements like this, 1 Corinthians 1, in the first chapter, um, him saying, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace uh, to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there, and then he goes on in verse 4, talking about that we're basically we're lacking nothing we're complete in jesus so paul makes all these statements before all to all those who have called on the name of jesus and in him are now uh children of god 
but nothing about the Passover mm-hmm. meal. It just like it just seems so obvious. Like it would yeah. be yeah. it would be in Paul's speech if it was that important. Yes, and so, it's yeah. not. It's not. And yeah. so the, I think maybe the last thing I would say about this is is again going back to Matthew. Uh, what was it? Matthew twenty two. Matthew 26. 26. Matthew 26. 26. Okay. If you, the, the, one of the clearest ways we can know that Jesus is not saying that a literal physical observance of Passover is necessary for forgiveness of sins is because if you look at the other, the other um, description of this event in Luke 22, uh, let's see, Luke 22, 19. And we, are, we already read this in 1 Corinthians. But again, listen to what he says. He took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So again, I think if you take nothing away from what we've said so far, take this. Jesus here has explained to us what the purpose of this communion of the Lord's Supper is. And he says, do it. He doesn't say do this for the forgiveness of your sins. He doesn't say do this and you will be washed clean of sin and you will will be saved. He says, do this in remembrance. Like this is a way to remind yourself of what Jesus has done, of who he is. This is a way of reminding ourselves that when Jesus died on the cross, he became our spiritual bread and our spiritual drink. That that, um, the way we actually partake of that is we come to him, we believe yes. in him. Yep. And, and so the Lord's Supper, it is not an act that gives you salvation. If it is, then the, go- the, the gospel proclaimed in the Bible, when every time Paul says it's by faith and it's by grace, that's a lie. Because yeah. if it's Passover observance for salvation, that is now a works-based gospel. Yep. That's right. So. Can I, can, I, can I reference one more? Yeah, question? for yes. sure. Go yep. for it. It connects with the forgiveness of sin. So if you see Ephesians chapter one, I would assume I would assume they avoid Ephesians one like the plague. It would seem like, but maybe I'm wrong. It just seems like a hard one for. They know what verses to find in these ones. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, like, this is how they connect it with because Ma- in Matthew twenty six verse twenty eight it says that you know you know by eating his or by drinking uh, his this is his blood for the forgiveness of sins, right? And then in Ephesians chapter one verse seven. This is the verse they show before Matthew twenty six to explain how Passover is how we receive forgiveness of sins. Is in verse seven it says. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And they, they, their connection between this verse and Matthew 26, verse 28, is that, okay, when did Jesus give us his blood for the forgiveness of sins? And then they show Matthew 26, verse 28. But okay. I think what you described, it yeah. dispels it because... It, it does. Yeah. Well, when did Jesus give his blood? Guys, come on. Yeah. Like, this is... On the cross. This is elementary. Like, this is, yeah. this is like a child would Christian see this. know this. Yes. He gave his guys, he gave his blood on the cross. Okay. Again, you want to know what makes a cult a cult is you'll see them emphasizing something like Passover over the work Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that thank you for pointing that out. But Jesus, yeah, Jesus gave his blood. Those are literally the only two verses that they they show. Yes. That. that that we can receive forgiveness of sins through um, Passover. Yeah, and so like, don't don't you guys like think like when you just sit back and think about that honestly again, isn't that an issue like that salvation like what more of an important thing for the Bible to tell us how to get it and for that to be a repeated thing over and over like there's that's 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 important. So you don't get the opportunity to sit back and think though. That's the, the thing. Is the, the, yeah. 
Yeah, it's because they don't... I mean, when I first joined the church, like, we weren't allowed to read the Bible on our own. We were told specifically the Bible is not meant to be read, read front to back. Okay. That every book is read... Another sign of a cult them. right there. I know. Yeah. I know. Now Huge they're going to say, say they don't say that, and they promote people reading the Bible, which that, you know, they, they, they do say that we can... I mean, they do say people can read the Bible now, but when I first joined in 2007, so from, like, t- 2007 to 2011, 2012, we were told we could not read the bible on our own because like they use example of like a math book right you wouldn't read a math book the same way you read a novel right wow. each book is meant to be read differently in the same way the bible is not meant to be read front to back right each verse has its mated verse and then we have to read the prophecies like you know with the mated verses okay so so yeah. so okay i i talked about we this with back and think we just have to accept what's being told we have to accept without asking questions and just obey okay so this this is something i talked to nathan i just interviewed him the video's coming out sunday but this is something that like it just kind of struck me i never thought about this before in relation to that and i don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because we're we got so much right. to cover the seal but, of god i think is, is important to touch on yes that. let's let's get to that after this but um, they tell members like this is just common knowledge. They t- tell members don't read the Bible on your own, and maybe they're changing that at this point. Um, but they're so anti the Catholic Church, right? Like that's like the Catholic oh, Church is like not just. I mean, very anti. Very anti. Okay, so so but also anti every other church. As anti, well. right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But like, go back to the Reformation, and what yeah. was one of the main things the Reformation was about was yeah. that the Catholic Church was withholding the scriptures from yeah. the common people. They yeah. didn't want the common man <laughs> to have access to the scriptures yeah. because they were worried what they would do with it. They would yeah. distort it, or they wouldn't get it, or they wouldn't right. fall in line with the way they yeah. wanted it to be taught. Which is still the case. I have a, yeah, I, we have a brother in the Lord in another country, and he's growing in the Lord, and I he has a Catholic church in his uh village and I asked him what he thought about it. And his response was, I don't think I like it because only the priest reads the Bible and tells us what it says. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah. literally what this is. It is. Yeah. And so the Reformation, right? One of the key things it was about was getting the people access to the scriptures directly um, and, and re-emphasizing the importance of the Bible. So again, this goes back to an encouragement you gave of like, God is bigger. He's big enough for you to go to his word and pray his Holy spirit is powerful enough to be able to teach you in your closet in the dark by yourself. Yeah. He will reveal the truth of this. Yes. So, yeah. And even, sorry. And I know we're going to the yep, seal. No, just, just to put in context. So they, they say, here's a, go to the sister verse. Now Ephesians one, seven, they read one. Seven. So Ephesians one, five, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will Verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It's not free if you're earning it. And if you're saying you have to keep this Passover, it's just not. They might say he freely gave us the instructions to follow the Passover. It just doesn't work. work. Well, for the the faith by grace, I mean, they, they say that, you know, to, they say baptism is the first step in our life of faith, right? So we don't do anything for God to give us the truth initially, right? But once we are baptized, then that's when we have to, we have to have the deeds that follow that faith. Okay. So it's, it's works that they would maybe say then that it's grace that gets us in and then works that keeps us in sort of idea. 
Grace that gets us in, works that get us to heaven. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. So Colossians Colossians 1, again, it it says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Yeah, continue walking. And then Paul in Galatians, actually, it's right here where he says, um, hold on one second, let me find it. Um, Okay, so Galatians 3 he says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What, what's he saying here? He's saying like, in essence, you guys, you got in, you got in by faith. You got in by grace. It was a free gift by which you got into this walk with God. And he's saying the same thing as, as you, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to walk in him. He's saying you received, right? You received the spirit. How? Verse two, by hearing with faith. So what is he trying to push them to do? He's saying, just as you received the spirit by hearing with faith, so continue to live out your life with God on the basis of faith and not works. Um, yeah, we don't read that verse either. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, this is Shocker. something that like we're, I, I, this is probably going to be a whole separate video where, where I would love to just sit down and yeah. talk about like, what does the Bible say about salvation and how to get it? And so we'll yeah. get there in another uh, yeah, video. There's, yeah. There's, I mean, yeah. There's, there's so many things you could say about this. There's so many things. Yeah, obviously. So let's, let's, I think maybe what we'll do, let's get into the seal of God, maybe to wrap up this video. We'll talk about that. And then, and then we'll, um, maybe in, in our next video, we can come back and we can talk about the, the next two and we'll just kind of immediately jump into those. So, so let's talk about the seal of God. I think it's going to bring us back to Ephesians one. So we might. Um. No, this one shouldn't. Okay, it 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 will when we start to unpack it and start to dismantle it. So I'm going to stay in Ephesians one because there's some interesting stuff that relates to the seal of God study. And so again, for you guys listening, this is the seal of God study. So maybe kind of set up what this is and the importance of it. Okay, so so they use uh, Revelations chapter seven and verse one through three. Um, I'll read it. It says, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. So I'm going to explain it verse by verse. So it is explaining that there are um, four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Right. So as you know, the earth is not like, you know, perfectly square. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they're standing at literal four corners, but it means that there are these four angels are, are guarding the, the whole earth. Right. Okay. So there's there's four angels that are guarding the whole earth and they're preventing a wind from blowing on the blowing on the the earth, right? Then it says in verse two, then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who have been given power to harm the land and the sea. So there's again, there's four angels guarding the, the whole earth, right? And they're holding back wind from coming upon the whole earth. Yep. But in addition, in addition to these like four angels, there are, um, there's another angel coming from the East and this angel has the seal of God. And this angel, it says he's talking to the other angels. And he says in verse three, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. So this angel has more authority than the other angels. And he's saying, do not let go of that wind until God's people receive the seal of God. So, um, 
so this, you know, Revelation is known for being very, I'm totally explaining this like a church would. Yeah. But, no, that's great. And that's something I want actually to tell you to do in yeah, this video yeah. is like, I want you to put on the mind and even like argue back with us. I want you yeah. to get in the mindset, like don't go too far where, you know, don't get back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like I know it's wrong, but yeah. it's like no, a weird thing. That's what yeah. we want. We want you yeah. to like, I want you to debate us right now as a member, as you're right. explaining this and as we begin to answer it. And so what might happen is we might get to the point where we don't really know how to reply and we might have to say, okay, well, we don't know, we'll, we'll, but we'll right. come back in the next video and explain that. But yeah. anyways, just to say, as you continue, yeah. I want you to put that on. And as we start to say yeah. things, challenge us. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so that's what that, so that's what that verse is like laying out, right? That there's four angels guarding the, the whole earth and they're preventing wind from coming on the whole earth. But then there's another angel coming from the East and he has the seal of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then we have to unpack what each of these things mean. So like what, what first, what does wind represent in the Bible? Right. So they teach that in Jeremiah chapter four, verse 11, they see, they say that wind represents war. Do you want, do you want me to go to that verse? Yeah, go for it. So Jeremiah chapter four, verse 11, it says at that time, this people in Jerusalem will be told a scorching wind from the barren heights in the desert blows towards my people, but not to winnow or cleanse. So this verse says a big wind is headed towards God's people. But then when you see verse 12, it says a wind too strong for that comes from me. Now I pronounce my judgments against them. Right. So it's not a normal wind that's coming towards God's people. But let's see what actually came towards God's people. When you see verse 16, it says, tell this to the nations, proclaim it to Jerusalem. A besieging army is coming from a distant land, raising a war cry against the cities of Judah. So what actually came towards God's people was war. So wind okay. in the Bible represents war. Okay. So in Revelation, if you go back to Revelation chapter 7, when it says that the four angels guarding the the guarding the whole earth like holding back the four winds means that they're preventing a wind or sorry a war from coming over the whole earth right mm -hmm. so what do, you, what do you call a war that affects the entire world world war three yeah we're, well, they, well why is this world war three though right because right. In, the, in history there's been two world wars we know of right yeah so how do we know this is speaking about world war three is you have to see they say you have to see the context <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay. So we see, but they don't see the entire context. This is probably I, I don't, yeah. I don't even know if this is what this verse means, but this is this is how they see yep. it. Yeah, so let's they, they say they see Revelation chapter six and verse thirteen. It says, um, which is also starts mid sentence, by the way, but this is where they start. It says, And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. So they say the stars in the sky are falling to the earth as fig tree, figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. So they say this is symbolic. We know wind represents war, right? Yep. So, but stars and figs in the Bible both represent the Israelites, the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. So they say all these Sometimes. Jewish people, they're full. Well, that's what they they right. say in this context. Yeah, in this context. Because <laughs> they say, um, they say, so all these Jewish people, all these Israelites, they're falling. But what does that mean, right? Because when a star is like falling in the sky, it means it's dying. So all these Jewish people, all these Israelites, they are dying because of this strong wind. Mm -hmm. And again, they say in this context, wind represents war. So in history, what has been the war that has killed so many Jewish people? World War Two. Right. And then they say in verse 14, the sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So they see they say, do you know how World War Two ended? 
right? It was actually with the bombing of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And so what is, well, like, when you drop an atomic bomb, what's, like, what what is, like, produced, right? It's a mushroom cloud, mm -hmm. which looks like a sky receding like a scroll. And furthermore, um, Japan is full of, like, full of mountains and islands, <laughs> right? So they say this is clearly talking about, it's kind of funny now. Call Clear. It that, this is, they say this, the, verse 13 and 14 of Revelation 6 is talking about World War II. So what's the World War II that comes after, or sorry, what's the World War that comes after World War II? World War III. So Revelation 7, before World War III happens, right, this angel in verse 2, this angel coming from the east must appear, bringing the seal of God. Mm -hmm. But this angel is not just um, any angel, but if the angel is bringing the seal of God, that means this angel must be God. Mm. But specifically in the, in the case of Revelation, it's talking about second coming Christ. So second coming Christ must come, bringing the seal of God. And then as to what is the seal of God? That's when they show um, John chapter 6 and verse 27 that says, you know, on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So they go back, they connect it to John 6, yeah, which has their one verse of eat my flesh, drink my blood, which they right. then jump over to Passover. Yep. Bada bing, bada boom, the seal you of God exactly. is Passover. Okay, <laughs> just be, exactly. I'm so sorry because just, that's a whirlwind, I bet, yeah. because I actually had the time the past couple days to read through the study and kind of grasp what they're saying. So I've already just, it was, that it was, was like fun. a tidal wave. It was fun listening. just like cringing. What is It was fun listening to you, though, because it, it's been a while since I've met with a member, so I forgot that whole spiel like, yeah. Yeah, I know I've heard it Wait, yeah. explains these, these verses the exact literally so it's a little creepy yeah. hearing you just say it word for word like they do I was I like know. oh my gosh I know and I don't even know who you talk to yeah exactly <laughs> yeah Man, that's okay. amazing okay so go ahead and finish out the argument finish out what the uh, so okay so maybe maybe let me just um, let me just make sure I got they this right. The east is the because when I was so when I was still in the military. Okay, but when I was in the military, I remember one girl. I was actually at work and I was I was an officer, so I told her I can't debate anymore. I have to go back to work, and she was just kind of harping. So I said, "All right, thirty seconds. Prove to me Christ came back already." And she mm -hmm. quoted this and said, mm -hmm. "The east," and uh, and then she just said, "What's in the east?" And like that was her argument, and I didn't even know what to do. I walked away. They, like they've since, they've since changed the way they explain about how they how they say the East is Korea. Okay. Because uh, oh I, yeah, they've changed the way that they. I don't know how long ago you talked to. That was two thousand seventeen. Oh, so the, yeah, this is before that. Then, so before that, what they did was they said, okay, East of where we need to know where was John when he wrote this. So he's right? on Patmos. Patmos Island. Yeah. So then they pull out a map. And they show all the way to the east, which is same yeah. like same latitude, longitude, or whatever that is, right? Um, it matches up with Korea. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and it matches up with that a lot was, of other places too. That was their yeah. basis to show that's why it's Korea. That was yeah. their main point. Yeah. But then they changed it, and they said, okay, wherever in the east that the seal of God appears, that's the place Christ must appear from. Because he's bringing that seal right. of God. So they said, where has the seal of God, where has the Passover appeared in the East? It appeared in Korea. Yeah. And then who brought it? On Sang Hong. That's why he is second coming Christ. Okay. But funny, funny thing is, is like most of, I mean, Passover existed in the East even before On Sang Hong. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And obviously if you said they changed it, if you said they changed it before that, 
people are still using that though because that girl clearly used they that. Are still, they are still yeah. using that. Yeah, yeah, in 2017, yeah, it was rough. But if you see the if you see the study, that that portion has been omitted now. Wow. So like okay. when somebody's because like for each of the studies, we have to get like a certain number of like. We have, we have to pre practice preaching in a certain amount of times, so then we have to get tested on it, uh -huh. and then we have a final test on it, and then there's like, I mean, I don't know how many times I've been tested on this subject. If if you, if you you like if that point is not there, so if you're testing, you don't want to bring up that point. You don't wow. want to bring up anything extra. Okay. So if yeah. you're preaching to somebody on the street, yeah, you can throw out some extra, you know, evidence. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Not really yeah. learning to preach it. So okay, wow. so let me just to go back to the the seal study i just want to kind of recap make sure we're getting it okay so there, we, you got this wind that represents war that represents world war ii the the, the time when the, so many of the jews were killed um and it says that the seal of god the angel has to seal before world war three right the, before the next war comes the seal must come okay so now take us from there and let's let's hear you finish out you again, as a member, explaining to us why this proves Passover is necessary oh, for okay. salvation. Yeah. So why Passover is the seal of God, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go, if you go to John chapter, back to John, John chapter six, and verse twenty-seven, it says, "Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures yeah. to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you." On him, the emphasis is on this next sentence. On him. God the Father has placed a seal of approval. So here this verse says that, you know, on Jesus, God the Father has placed a seal of approval. That means Jesus has a seal. Then how can you and I, um, as, you know, basic members of the church, receive that seal from Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when you see verse uh, 53, John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. Then verse 55, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And the main point is in verse 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Meaning, so Jesus has a seal, right? So if we remain in Jesus and Jesus remains in us, that means we can receive the seal of God. But then how did Jesus teach us that we could remain in him and him in us is when we eat his flesh and drink his blood, right? And then how, when did Jesus teach us we can eat his flesh and drink his blood on the night of the Passover? Yeah. Therefore, by keeping the Passover, we are remaining in Christ who has a seal and Christ is remaining in us. Meaning by keeping the Passover, we can receive the seal of God. So this angel coming from the east, who's giving out the seal of God, the seal of God that's going to protect all of us from this last disaster, right? It's the Passover. So if we want to be protected from World War III from disaster and enter the kingdom of heaven, we need to keep the Passover. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well right. done. Brilliant. <laughs> Good job. Okay. You no, know, I haven't actually like explained that subject in over two years. Wow. <laughs> really? But it's still there. It's stuck, it's stuck with say, you. It's still there. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about that. That's that's kind of going to be the goal of how we finish up this video. Um, what I want to say first is, again, if you want to know what makes a cult a cult, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to know what a red flag is to distinguish, okay, this group is, it's a little bit off. Another, another, thing to look for is when they use the vague and highly controversial passages 
and apocalyptic writings like from Revelation mm-hmm. to to determine um, doctrine concerning salvation, like key doctrines. When they take key right. doctrines from the confusing, highly controversial, h- highly argued over and debated over where there's just multiple interpretations. So, right. so like you gave that interpretation, you know, you walk through the wind, the wind represents war and, and like, it seems somewhat convincing. It's like, okay, yeah, I get that. That seems, but I guarantee you, I could go over there and pull out three different commentaries on revelation. That's, you and know, back there on our shelf. Yeah. They're all going to have different explanations or yeah. different ideas yeah. of like what this could mean. And it's gonna be like, oh man, that guy's got a good point. And, and I want to point out too, revelation seven, verse one through three, you know, when it says the angel coming from the East and then the East represents Korea. That verse is used by at least two other Korean cults who claim that their leader is is the second coming of Christ. Really? So that's wow. by the Unification Church, which is led by, or it was led by Moon Sung Myung, if you might have heard him called the Moonies. Yep. So he is in his book, yep. Divine Principle, which actually came out before on Sung Hoon's book. Um, like, he used that same verse, that same explanation yeah. that that East is, is Korea. The Shincheonji Church, which is in the you know news for the coronavirus right now, mm-hmm. they use that same verse to explain why their leader, I think his name is Iman He, um, why he is the <laughs> he, he's the second he's the second coming Christ, and he came from Korea. Okay. So this is a popular verse among Korean Korean cults. Okay, Just and so how how much? Does what you just said confirm exactly what I just said? Yeah. That if you want to distinguish what makes a cult a cult, what are all these guys doing? They're going to these vague, highly controversial, like unclear passages where it's like you can kind of make them say what you want to to determine like key foundational doctrines. Okay. That you just can't, you can't do that. Okay. Why would you go here to determine like if I want to know how to get saved? Guys, please don't go to Revelation chapter six to to figure out what Jesus said, what he commanded, what the New Testament teaches about how to get yeah. saved. Yeah. Go to the places where Paul tells you how to get saved, where he says, you want to know and how to get saved? Paul, this is how. And doesn't Paul say like, you know, people twist the scriptures to their own. Yes. Yep. Yeah, own, exactly. He does. Their own agendas. He does. And, you know, I, it's like, it's like when you're, when you're in high school in English class, you know, you're, everybody's reading the same book. We're reading a sentence and, you know, everybody has like... 500 different explanations. Yeah. What does that mean to you? What is that? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I, I would like to just leave like, as far as like the context of what sets up the seal, like kind of just let that lay and say like that really is meaningless to me because even me and Jesse, like we say this all the time, like we might sit down, study this and we might come away with different interpretations of what time, when is this applying to, does this apply to something that's past future? Is this all symbolic? We might disagree about, the main point is the seal of God. Yeah, the main it's like I don't yeah. that doesn't really matter. Like what is yeah. the seal of God? Yeah. Because obviously yeah. we need to be sealed by God for salvation. Like we right. agree with that. But yeah. what is the seal of God? Okay. Right. So I I'm just gonna again ask you immediately, they say the seal of God is keeping Passover. Right. From your perspective, do you see issues with that? Or is that another area where you feel like other people that you're kind of hung up on that? Like it seems like they've got a pretty good argument that Passover is the seal of God. 
Well, after talking today with you guys in that John chapter six, verse thirty-five, <laughs> it kind of yeah. I'm not gonna forget that verse. Okay, yeah. <laughs> praise yeah. the Lord. That's yeah. awesome. Because, like, I mean, before, like, even though I, even though I might not be able to understand or not understand, but like explain why something isn't necessarily correct right this moment. Yeah, that doesn't mean I'm not gonna be able to explain it later on. Yes, and also, yeah. like, because because I'm, I'm I don't claim to know everything about the Bible. Yeah. I don't. Right. Yeah. Right. But I'm, you know, I don't think anybody knows everything about yeah. the Bible. If somebody says but, that, your red flag should go up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's the thing. So, like, I think, you know, even though I might yeah, not be able to explain fine. why, like, something right now doesn't make sense, I'll admit it doesn't, something doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But I know at the end of the day, the church is not the true church and it is not correct because yeah. when it comes, even if, even if Passover is a seal of God, it comes down to they don't celebrate it on the day according to the Bible and they're not upfront with how they calculate the date. Mm-hmm. So even if all, even if Passover is necessary to receive eternal life, even if Passover is a seal of God, they don't celebrate it according to the Bible on the correct day. So and other that, groups, that, you know, makes their whole argument disintegrate. And then the fact, too, of, of that other groups teach Passover and other groups like the Herbert Armstrong group brought right. and reestablished Passover before on Song Hong. And so and can we talk about how Passover is like, it's always been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And Jewish people didn't forget about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. It's, it's, and there's been Christian churches in the past who yep. kept, you know, it might not be the Passover on the exact date, but they keep like, like Seventh Day Adventist church, they call like their communion, they call it Passover. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, so it's not like the idea of the Passover yeah. has been abolished, as they yeah. say. It's not. It's like, it's always been there. So it's just like, okay, like who found it? their church based on it mm-hmm. like that's that where does that say that in the bible that you need to found your church based on the passover right and that's going to be the i mean yep. well actually no they have a study for that but i mean <laughs> it's just another day. Yeah. <laughs> you know i was just thinking again that just kind of reminds me again of the, the fact of how much they emphasize passover over jesus and they'll literally say i, I read i think it is ju chol kim however you say his name in one of his books where he says things like Passover is the core of the gospel, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. And and to me, it's like, guys, listen, that's a cult. I, I just, that, yeah. that cannot be any more clear. Like, no, Jesus, Jesus yes. is the core of the gospel. If you have a group saying a thing, uh, a ceremony is, is the core. Yeah. No, Jesus is the core. And, and if you want proof of that, Read the Bible. Yeah. Read, read Colossians one, yeah. um, where it says all the fullness of God dwells in Him. It says we're complete in Christ. It doesn't say we're complete in Christ and the Passover that He established. It says we're complete in the person of Jesus. It, that's why why Jesus, when Mary and Martha, you remember the story. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to His word. It says Martha was busy serving. She was distracted and she was like getting angry at at Mary because Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, like you're worried and uh, troubled about many things, but only one thing is needed. And he said, Mary has chosen the good part. Well, what's the one thing that Jesus says was needed? What was Mary doing? She was sitting at Jesus' feet. She was coming to him and she was believing in him, listening to his teaching, believing in him and giving her heart over to Jesus, loving him, worshiping him. Jesus said, that's the one thing that's needed. Yeah. Okay. If there's this, this is, again, this is the testimony you see over and over where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. I am the alpha, the beginning. I am the omega. Yeah. What do cults do? 
they'll come and push that to the side. They won't ever touch that stuff. They'll, they'll, they won't touch it with the 10 foot pole, but they'll say, no, Passover is the way. Passover is the truth. Yeah. Passover is the life. Passover is preeminent. Passover literally is the core of the gospel. But also, I want to point out also in verse uh, Revelation seven verse four, it says, "Then I heard the name of the or sorry the number of those who were sealed, a hundred and forty four thousand from all tribes of Israel." So this verse says that those who receive the seal is the one hundred forty four thousand, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but the church is more than one hundred forty four thousand yeah. people. Yeah. So they say this. So in verse nine, it says, "And the, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation." So they say there's also the great multitude, and then they explain that the great multitude also keeps the passover but regarding the seal it says the seal those who were sealed are the 144,000 yeah okay yeah so um so so again even though i like one of the things that i think that needs to be explained because that they're gonna say or people who like are questioning are gonna say like if passover is not the seal of god then what is the seal of okay. god what can protect uh, us man i'd love but, to get we're gonna get to that okay yeah just yeah, so people so know that's, that's a big thing so yeah. I, I feel you have something to say right now. So no, maybe you don't No, I had something, but I don't think it's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> okay. We're saying a lot. Let's just kind of get to explain again. What is the seal? Okay. What is the seal of God? We need the seal to be protected. What is it? Okay. So you, do you have second Corinthians yep. or Ro, uh, yeah. Romans 411? Read either, either one of them. Okay. So Romans 411. I'll start in Romans 9, 2, 411. Uh, which, which, which so go to Romans 4. And then it's uh, verse 10. I'll read from verse 10. Okay. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. Verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had that he had, had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. Okay, so that's Romans four. So Romans four. So for just real quick, what that tells us isn't so much like what the seal is, but what it is telling us is how we get the seal. Okay, so how did Abraham get that seal? Did through he circumcision? There's well, not even that. He got this. The seal was circumcision, right? How did he get? Why did he get circumcised? Well, he got it because of yes. his faith. Because yeah. he came to God with faith. And so he received the seal. Yeah. Abraham did not come to God observing the Passover and then God sealed him because Passover was a seal. The seal of God came as a result of his faith. So, yeah, because in verse nine, uh, is this uh, blessedness only for the circumcised or also for uncircumcised? Mm. We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. And then it goes on from verse 10 where I read. Yeah, we yep. don't read those verses. Yeah, <laughs> right? So maybe finish finish reading. You show verse 10 because they, 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 for their rebuttal as to like, you know, it, like some people say like circumcision, because they say circumcision is like, you know, this the seal. But they So they have a rebuttal for that, but they don't read verse 9. <laughs> yeah, they don't read verse okay. 9 and what it's talking about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so anybody watching Romans 4, read verse 9. Well, you know, read the whole chapter, but verse 9 through verse 11, uh, we'll get to the point. Yeah, again, like this is something that I would encourage you guys to go away and just read Romans 4 by yourselves. If you want to know how to be saved, Romans 4 tells you what God requires. He tells you how he saves people. 
he tells us how we saved Abraham, and it was by faith. Okay, so go and read that. Yeah, so first, first or second Corinthians, um, was it one twenty-two? Yeah. Yeah. So let me, I'm just, because people might be, I'll read from verse 18, just in context. So second Corinthians one, um, I'm going to start at verse 18. The point will be verse 22, but I want to read it within the paragraph. Okay. All right. So he says in verse 18, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now... It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ, his anointed. And then verse 22, us, uh, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So his people were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Like that's right there. That's yeah. so clear. And actually yeah, they show they show verse they show verse twenty two. This is seal of ownership, but we don't read the verses before that say. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is kind of setting up what's going to be. So, by, so through our faith, setting up the whammy. The whammy. See the seal of God is what you're saying. Say that again. So, so by by having faith and believing in Jesus is how we can receive the seal of God. Yes. Okay. And so, yeah. so what we're going to do first, here, here's what's be, beginning to be established by these scriptures. What we're seeing here is that it's the spirit who is the seal. What It's God's spirit that comes upon us that it's God's way of saying you are mine. When, yes. you, when the spirit of God is operating within a person, you're seeing that person operating in like true, genuine love, the fruit of the spirit. You're seeing that the spirit of God is truly working in that person. That is God's seal. That's God's way of saying, this person is my son. Um, and so here, let's, let's confirm that real quick. Let's confirm that the spirit of God is the seal of God. Um, so Ephesians 1. Okay. So verse 13 has it. 13? Yeah. But I don't know if you want to read from 11 to 13. And you can even, you can even, like, even, again, John chapter 6, verse 50, or verse uh, 35. You can yeah. Even, and then the, that, the word seal in verse 27 in that context, too, the same way. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's what it, it's coming to Jesus and it's believing in him that gets the seal. So. Yeah. Here's this is confirmed so clearly everything we're saying. So Ephesians 1:13 it says in him in Jesus you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and you believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Okay? Here here's one thing. Within the seal of God study they say that the the seal we couldn't have come until after World War II, right? That's part of their argument. But it's been there from the, yeah, that's, yeah. But these yeah. people are being sealed 2,000 years ago. It's that saying the, very good point. the seal yeah. of God, they're being sealed by the, and what is the seal? Is it Passover? No, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy right. Spirit coming up, God giving people his spirit. He's literally telling us that is the seal. Um, so again, in him, when, when did this happen? When did they get the seal? When you heard the word of truth, and 2,000 years ago, when they heard the word of truth and they 
believed. You right. were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Does this, right. this is sort of beginning to have a pattern. It's actually like, isn't this consistent with everything we've been saying from John yeah. 6, where Jesus says, how do you, how do you, what is the work God requires? Is, is how yeah. he starts out that whole, that whole dialogue in John 6. They ask, what do we need to do to be saved? Yeah. In, in, in a way, you could, you could translate that by saying, how do we get the seal of God? Is in essence what they're saying. How do we get sealed? How do we get saved? How do we know we're good with yeah. God or protected? Yeah. What does Jesus say? This is the work of God that you believe in him. Yeah. Well, what does believing result in according to everything we've been reading? It results in God giving you the Holy right. Spirit. Yeah. What is the Holy Spirit? It's the seal of God. It's yeah. God's stamp yeah. of approval saying, you are mine. Yeah, which God, Paul... My mind is blown. <laughs> good, yeah. I was going to give you this, Kelsey. This is a good one. So to go with that, Romans 8, 16. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is this yeah. is oh, like... Oh, yeah, they use this verse too, but they use this for a different study. Uh, really? That's funny, yeah. So this just they goes... Ex mother. <laughs> do they really? Oh, goodness yeah, gracious. So to go along with what we just read, which is the simple truth of the scripture... Uh, yeah, Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So it's like that's the seal right there hmm. is testifying with my spirit that I am a child. Can of you God. read that again? Yeah. So Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Okay. So again, this goes this goes back to the question of what is a seal. Okay. So let me. I'm just gonna pull up a definition real quick. It is a large animal that a lays sea. on the beach. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, okay, so we're all wrong, I guess. <laughs> wow, we missed it. Um, okay, so here, here's the here's biblically. You look at the Greek. You look at what's what's going on here. What is meant by seal? This is this is what he's talking about in, in, in the context of uh, of when, like, especially like Ephesians one, the verse in First Corinthians, where it's talking about the seal that God gives us. Okay, so here's the definition. A piece of wax, lead, or other material with an individual design stamped into it, attached to a document to show that it has come from the person who claims to have issued it. So seals, what it is, it's like if I send, uh, this is before the time of internet, phones, you know, iPhones, being able to communicate that way. So what people had to do is like if a king would send a letter, he would have he would have a uh, a uniquely designed stamp that he would stamp right. into a piece of wax that would seal that letter, so that then when the, the the recipient received it, they'd be able to look at that stamp and say, okay, this is the unique design of this person, so I know that this has come from him. So when it talks about a seal in the Bible, that's what's being talked about. It's like God has put His wax stamp on certain people, saying they are mine. Okay. What is that stamp? What is that seal? Well, it's his Holy Spirit operating in a person. Do you want to Ephesians 4.30? Yeah, that's that's on there too. So go ahead and read that. Yeah, and then Ephesians 4, verse 30. So it says, uh, And do not grieve the Holy yep. Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Boom, there's the seal. So redemption, what is the seal? Of redemption, like yeah. this. This is just where it's like again. This is what cults do. Like guys, this is you're. They put so much em emphasis on this study on the seal of God. Well, why don't you just go to the rest of the New Testament where it actually tells you what the seal is? Yeah. 
Like, and why do you? Existed and it existed yes, yeah. two thousand years ago. Like yeah. he's telling oh these gosh. believers they had the seal yeah. bef- way before World War Two. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I had one more to, to kind of go with the one you had. The first, so First John three twenty four is just is kind of saying the same thing. First John three. Actually, I'm going to start in twenty three. So it says, "And this is his commandment." Again, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What are the commandments of Jesus Christ? This group is so focused on you must keep the commandments. And if I come to them saying, I'm believing in Jesus, they'll say, well, you're not keeping Passover. You're not keeping Sabbath. So you're not keeping the commandments. Well, let's just go to the places where actually the Bible tells us what Jesus' commandments are. Why don't we just do that? Why don't we just go to where it says these are the commandments? So that's what we're going to do here. First John 3.23. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us and all the law is fulfilled in this, in this one thing. Um, that's not here. That's in other scriptures, but that goes along with it. So here's, here's then what he says, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Okay. So again, it's so clear. And rude. Yeah. Cause, cause verse 23, it says this is like, that's where, that's where it gets them is that they say like, Oh, if you love Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you will obey what he commands. Yeah. But then they say what he commands is a Passover Sabbath, seven feasts and three times. So verse 23, it says, yeah. this is his this command, is his command. Yes. Yeah. to believe in the name of his son, Jesus. So believe in the name of yes. Jesus, right? Yeah. Wow. And then yep. to love I one another as God commanded us. Yeah. Wow. Good catch. So like yeah. they, they teach, well, they teach like to love one another's God commanded us. That means to keep the Passover. But I mean, like, that's not what the Bible says. That's no, it's there, not. You know? That's but, that, yeah. but they literally, he it literally lays it out what he commands. <laughs> yes, exactly. It does. So this is like, yeah, this is mind blowing. And, <laughs> and is it the seal of God studied? It, it uses that word abiding, right? Like we have to, you, you, you brought up abiding. I'm trying to remember uh, when you're explaining. Oh, the seal. like that was like John, like, like, uh, John Easter 15. Yes. That's, that's John chapter 6, verse 56. Okay, so real quick, can you walk back through that reasoning again? That, that Yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, let me go back there. So I can get the wording exact. Mm-hmm. Okay, so John chapter 6, verse 56, it says... Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So therefore, they say, by eating his flesh and drinking his blood, we remain in him and he is he's in us. Okay. So. And then they go and say, well, how do you eat his flesh and drink his blood? We need to drink Jesus' flesh or drink, eat his flesh, drink his blood in order to abide in him. And if we want to have the seal of God, we have to abide in him. So the question is, how do we abide in him? Well, obviously, it's by drink, drinking his blood, eating his flesh. How do we do that? Keeping the Passover. That's... That's right. the way they argue. Okay, well, go go back again to First John. He says, whoever keeps his commandments, First John 3, 24, whoever keeps God's commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Okay, so how do we abide? Well, <laughs> yeah. go back. He says we abide by keeping his commandments. Well, what are his commandments? That we believe, believe in, in the name of the Son. Yeah. And where does this bring us back to? This brings us back, I think, and this would probably be a good way to wrap up. Brings us back to John 6, John 6, 28, when they said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? 
Okay, this is the same question being asked in 1 John 3 that we just read. How do we abide in him? How do we know that he abides in us? This is what we must do. This is the words of Jesus. Then they, uh, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. Again, this, right? And this is his commandment. 1 John 3, 23. In the one this is his command. That you believe in him whom he has sent. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then my new favorite, verse 35, Jesus declared, <laughs> I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Boom. So, like, literally it says, like, okay, it talks about this. It talks about a seal of approval. Then verse 28, what must we do to be saved? Verse 29, believe in the one. How, like, and then what does it mean to believe in him? Verse 35, when we eat, like, how, like, it says, if we believe in him, we will never be thirsty. And then if we come to him, meaning also believe in him, right, we will never be hungry. Yes. And so when, so essentially when we have faith in him and believe in him, verse 53, right, it says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh, and meaning unless you come to Jesus yep. and drink his blood, believe in him, you have no Yes. Preach it, sister. <laughs> yes. That's good. Yeah. And isn't, that, isn't that what he, okay, so. <laughs> yes, praise wow. God. Um, that's awesome. One, one more thing here because that's. And then if you want to do the whole sister verse thing, pair that one with verse 63 <laughs> when he says, I'm speaking of spiritual yes. things. Yeah. Like if you're going to do the sister thing. Okay. So here's to wrap this up. I keep saying wrap this up. <laughs> you do. Up. Okay. <laughs> but that, no, such a good point. It all comes back to believing. And then listen to what Jesus is rebuking them about or like disappointed about in the end. So John 6, 63, again, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. So he's saying the words I've spoken are pointing you to, to come spiritually, to believe in me by the spirit. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Um, and so he brings it all back. He says the problem here, the thing that's, the thing that's getting you guys off track, the, things, the thing that's keeping you from life, is not that you're unwilling to keep Passover. The thing that's keeping these people from life is that they were unwilling to believe. So he says, unless you have, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, unless you believe and come, you can have no life. And he sums it up by saying, but you guys listening to me, you don't believe. You're not doing what's required. And so you can't have life. Yeah. It's good. Seems to all connect to me. Yeah. Makes sense. This is this is like this is like amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, this is this is literally like two two and a half years for me. Like just like kind of like a dream come true, trying to understand so cool. what that means, and it's really what it is. Because yes. I mean. I mean, when I left, like, I didn't leave because of the doctrine. I left because I was, you know, just burned out by yeah. the church fired. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I, I never understood how to, like, I never understood, like, how to disprove their teachings or understand their teachings anyways. And I remember, like, I reached out to you guys early on after I left, like, saying, mm -hmm. like, how do you, how do you explain this? How do you explain that? And even yeah. though you gave really good explanations and I, like, I went, I mean, I spent a long time going through it, reading every verse and, and everything. And, you know, even at the time, like, even though your explanation's good, like, it was still kind of hard for me to, to mm -hmm. connect it. But, like, it is just, like, clear as day right now. Praise the Lord. So clear awesome. as day. Yeah. That's literally, I sat in my office about an hour ago with my three guys that I office with, and we just sat and prayed over this and prayed specifically for you. We prayed specifically for you for that, that there would be just an opening to see, to see these things more clearly, 
And so, praise the Lord. Yeah, now, I'm, now I'm able to read the, because like for a long time it was really hard to read the Bible because yeah. I couldn't look past certain verses. And so like, like now it's, I mean, as of like, I would say like a month or two ago, it's it's been considerably easier for me to read the Bible. So and like, cool. it's, it's not so much like, I hate using the word trigger, I hate that word, but it's not like triggering or anything for me because yeah. it, you know, it, it, I, I can now read the Bible yes. without associating it to the yeah. church. Yeah. And I think that's an important step for, you know, people who are still in the church. Because people who are in the church, they're in it because they believe in God. They believe in the Bible. They want to. Like, they're yes. there. Exactly. Both of them are there by choice, right? They yep. stay because they're co they feel like they're coerced. Yeah. But they're there because they want to understand God. They want to not only understand God, but they want to teach other people about who God is yes. and how they can be saved, too. So they're in for those reasons. But... They, they're the teaching of the scripture just gets so distorted that it's hard for them to like when they when they if they want to leave it's hard for them to see it any other way right and like this like this ex, like this explanation about passover oh my gosh it's 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 gonna help so many people that's Praise awesome Lord. That, and that's, that's exactly so why we're doing it and yeah it's great because yeah so many people are coming out and just that it's a process like it's god will heal right. you that's why i keep telling people god will heal you of your inability to look at the Bible. Um, God will heal you. It'll be a process little by little, but yeah. he will heal you. If you stick with him, he's going to take these, he's going to take away, wash over your mind and take away your, yeah. the false perceptions that this group has given you. And he's going to help yeah. you to see the glorious truth of the freedom here. Yeah. Like what all this is like, yeah. I, I don't, it's like, this is so easy, right? Well, not only that, but I, I watched a, I watched a YouTube because I watched a lot of YouTube videos from like ex Scientologists and ex Mormons, and I, uh, I remember watching one about uh, an ex Mormon missionary. He's like in the, he's like a pastor in like another church now, and he was talking about how after he left the Mormon church, like he he went to like a non denominational church, and he like he learned who God really is, and like he he says um, that you know that's the the God he always he always wanted to know. Yes. Hmm. And, you know, and so like that, I, I like that really resonates with me because, Does it? wow, yeah, because like for, I mean, for so long, how like I view God, how I viewed God was like, okay, if I don't, you know, do this, God's not going to love me. And not only is God not going to love me, God's going to destroy me. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, 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 it's like pretty, you know, comforting to like, you know, read the Bible and find out that, you know, like you God's got you. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yes. and you have peace. When we wrote, when we read that, uh, yeah. the Romans four eleven to talk about the seal. When you yeah. finish reading Romans four, you you just walk right into mm. Romans five. Therefore, we have peace with yeah. God. And so that, like, yeah, you have. That's you're so just good. describing that peace we have man. with the Lord. And that, well, and so, <laughs> yeah, man, that's so good. It says right after Romans four, where it's explaining that. Abraham was justified in this free way before he did anything. We get into Romans 5.1. Therefore, because that's the way the gospel works, because that's the way we're saved, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since the seal of God comes upon us by the simple means of us believing it and receiving it as a free gift, yeah. That is the means by which we have peace with God. We can know, man, this isn't about me. This is about 
what Jesus has yes. done for me. Yeah. It's not about God looking at me saying, what are you willing to do for me? Yeah. Are you willing to put in your time? Like that's that's not God. God is a father right. who says, I, I've done everything for you. And I just want you to know that. I just want you to learn to believe in that and yeah. to get more and more acquainted with how I love you first. God, we love because he first loved us. Yes. Right. Yeah, amen. Right, yeah. yeah. This is like, yeah. This is this is this is great. <laughs> Good. Awesome. 